Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers actually love. If they already love them, you can make more customers love your products even better. Now, how would you like to get more done this year? That begins by getting more done today. And guess what? Our guest has a four-part framework for making that happen. And this is just not another time management approach, but what the creators and authors of the Google Design Sprint found to be the practices to get more done. I think those are good people to listen to. Our guest is John Zerisky, co-author of Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. He previously wrote the New York Times bestseller, Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days, which describes that Google design sprint process that we were talking about before, invented by Jake Knapp. And by the way, Jake is the co-author of that four-part make-time framework that we are about to hear the details of. You'll also find the written notes and the links that we discuss at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 210. Hope you enjoy the discussion. John, thanks so much for joining the Everyday Innovators. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm really delighted to talk with you. And I got more and more excited about doing this interview with you as time went on. Because I started in a not a good place, frankly, right? So you got this new book, Make Time, which is a book about time management. Your publisher actually reached out to me first about it. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to do anything about time management. And then I thought about it a little bit more. I went, okay, we all do as product managers and innovators have this problem. We can't even get the urgent stuff done in our day, let alone the, you know, the important things. And then I recognized who you and your co-author were. And I went, wow, you're speaking to my tribe, right? You, you know, <laughs> uh, your co-author, Jack Knapp, you know, is known as being the, the person behind the Google Design Sprint. Right. And you and him wrote the book on on doing the design sprint and you're a designer of products and it's yeah. like, okay, now I have a, a deep appreciation for anyone that's going to help us get more done during the day on what's actually important, help us manage the time of all the systems that are out there. Gosh, actual product designers and the people behind the Google design sprint. This makes sense for an audience of product managers and innovators. Yeah. Cool. So I'm really excited then to be talking with you. Tell us just how the book came about. Let's focus on time. This book is kind of the book that I wish that I had 10, 15 years ago. And that's how far back my obsession with with time uh, and trying to make good use of time goes. And, uh, you know, just to go way, way back, you know, I think I think about how I grew up. I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin um, and, and before the internet and, and certainly before, you know, we didn't have a computer until I was probably in high school. And I had this this sort of scene frozen in my head, which is uh, sitting in my room as kind of a nerdy kid, like working on some project or hobby or something and just being totally immersed in it. You know, like there was nothing else in the world. I could just pour my energy into whatever I was doing. And so a, a lot of what I'm working on now and what I have been working on is trying to get back to that, trying to get back to that feeling. Um, when I graduated from college, I went to work at a a tech startup in Chicago called FeedBurner, hmm. and Rec- recognize it. You see, us FeedBurner. Yeah, so FeedBurner was was kind of um, we were part of the very earliest days of sort of the, the democratized 
podcasting and, and mm-hmm. blogging sort of movement. Um, and they got picked up by Google, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I ended up working at Google. And, and we can obviously talk about that if you'd like. But um, when I went to work at FeedBurner, I was, you know, I was just out of college and, and, and I'm, I'm just this kid, you know, and I, I, I don't really have much experience. Um, but I, but I got the job and the, and the team there that I was going to work with, I was like, so excited to, to have that opportunity and to learn from them because they were so accomplished and so experienced. And I wanted to make the most of that time. So that's when I really kind of went deep on all of the productivity optimization, mm. you know, the perfect to-do lists and, and the perfect systems for filing and organizing and tracking projects and, uh, and pretty quickly burned out on that and thought there's got to be a better way, a way that's a little more sane, more human, mm-hmm. uh, less machine-like. And so, sorry for the long, long backstory, but basically I had been thinking about this stuff for a long time. And, uh, and Jake and I, when Jake Knapp and I met at, at Google Ventures, we started just kind of comparing notes on this stuff. We realized mm-hmm. we had a shared interest. And we realized that the design sprint thing, the, you know, coming up with this process and then running it with about 150 different companies over the course of five years, we realized that that was kind of an opportunity, kind of a laboratory for Uh us to take some of what we've been thinking about and see how it worked for lots of other people, not just for us, but for other teams and other situations. And so after we did that and, and we wrote the book about sprints, um, th- there was this, this seed that had been planted long ago that it had started to grow. And, and you know, after that, we thought, well, let's take everything we've learned from these sprints, everything that we've been doing as individuals, and let's start to put it out there in the world. And let's see if it works for, for other people kind of in, in their individual day-to-day lives. Yeah, that accumulation of experience and need, but kind of scratching your own itch. Yeah, pretty much. And, and I think that was my first reaction to when the book was sent to me. It's like, uh, not another time management program, right? <laughs> but because we've seen them and I've tried them too. And they're, yeah. yes, they are helpful. They help you get organized, but they're just a bit for me laborious and, and I don't yeah. st- stick with them, right? So, Absolutely. And I thought, yeah. wow, you guys have something unique and interesting to say about this just based on that experience during the design sprints. And you're both experimenters too. You You, you try a crud of stuff and you see what makes a difference. Yeah. We also have been through trying a million different systems, different Uh apps, different programs and platforms and processes. And I think what we tried to do with, with make time with this framework is create something that was very lightweight so that it didn't feel like a burden yet. It got at the core of what was really Uh important. So kind of built around the ideas of being proactive with your time Mm-hmm. Um, reclaiming control over your time and attention and making sure you have energy to sort of make the most of those moments. Um, but we also wanted it to be uh, customizable or adaptable for people. We, you know, like you just mentioned, we sort of, you know, we tried on the do the 23 things in this order and follow the flow chart. And, you know, we tried those those systems and they do work, but they are, they're kind of a lot of work to, to right. keep them going and keep them operating properly. So we wanted to, we wanted to provide um, something that was maybe a, a bit of an antidote to that way of thinking about time. And it's a great title, Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day. And I love the implied promise there. Boy, I, I, this week has been one of those weeks for me where every day I don't have time to actually focus on what I want. So I, I want to you know, buy into this dream a little bit and uh, figure yeah. that out more. 
I have one more slight tangent for you, though, and we can't spend too much time on it because I, I know I would be glad to. Sure, sure. Pineapple. Tell us about pineapple. Yeah, so pineapple is the name of the sailboat that my, my wife and I own and that we, we spent um, about eight months on last winter sailing. And, uh, and we'll spend another probably five, six months this winter to provide some of the, the context or the background. We, um, well, I grew up sailing um, in that small town in Wisconsin on, on tiny little boats on the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just always been an interest of mine. But um, my wife and I, we started sailing together when we first started dating and as we got into our careers, we were living in San Francisco and, you know, things were good. I certainly don't have any complaints about the way that life was going, but we, we started to get this itch where we wanted to do something different. We wanted to do something other than, you know, wake up in the morning, go to work, sit in meetings, answer emails. Um, and we wanted to kind of experiment with with living life more on our terms. Uh And we had this interest in sailing and we had started to read about and learn from other people who had taken these long sailing trips. So the idea being that you, you live aboard the boat, you travel slowly from place to place, you have the flexibility to spend as much or as little time in a given place as you'd like to. So uh, after, uh, after years of kind of just thinking about that and talking about it, we decided that that's what we would do. So we left in, um, in October of 2017. And we, we, we gave up our apartment in San Francisco, we got rid of our car, we, we sold most of our stuff. And we, uh, we moved aboard pineapple with uh, our two cats. So we, we have two cats on the boat with us. And we, like I said, we, we spent about eight months aboard, we sailed from from San Francisco, all the way down the coast of North America to Panama and then took the boat through the Panama Canal. And, uh, and that's where the boat is right now. And that's where we'll be returning to um, in about a month. And, and we'll be traveling and sailing in the Caribbean this winter. Cool. So home for the holidays a bit. Yeah. We both share a passion for that sort of thing. I, I do it by uh, RV instead of, yeah. you know, I stay on solid ground. But yeah, it's wonderful if you can just get out and explore and experience. Okay, so on to the book, so okay. that we can manage our time better, manage this uh, the time of the podcast too. <laughs> Everyday innovators, I'm sure, are dying to know what's the framework for actually doing this. You know, for being able to focus on what matters during the day. And you have a framework pre- presented in the book, and you say you do this, you do these four things every day: highlight, laser, energize, and reflect. Let's go through each one of them. Tell us about highlight. Sure. The idea behind Highlight is to choose one thing that you want to prioritize and protect in your day. So it's not the only thing you'll do, obviously. And it's, um, and it's, at, at the same time, it's not some, some small task on the to-do list. But the idea is to find one sort of medium-sized activity that you can sort of build your day around. And I, it sounds kind of simple and, and kind of silly and kind of crazy, but it really has a a powerful effect on your ability to feel like you had a good day, to feel like you used your time well. Because if you're able to make time for the highlight, the rest of the day is kind of gravy. You know, if if things are annoying, if things are busy, if things don't go exactly the way that you think that they're going to, being able to hold on to that highlight, being able to look back on that and say, yeah, I'm I'm really glad I made time for that um, really helps a lot. So, So that's what highlight is all about. Okay. I don't know if this would fit in a highlight or somewhere else. The, the thing I've been experimenting with lately, I tend to be a night person. I don't like getting up, up real early, but yeah. I know that 
what happens in my first three hours of the day sets the tone for the whole day. Sure. And I'm someone who likes to get up and immediately jump into work and make progress on the day. Yeah. And so I'm lately I've been trying to get up at 5.30 and it's that six to nine time. If that is a win, the whole day is a win. So yeah. that's not really a highlight, but I'm trying to structure my thinking around that being a focus for the day. Yeah, definitely. And and that's exactly what, what I do. And the way that it fits together with my highlight is that for the most part, most days, that's when I focus on my highlight. So for me, my highlight is often something that's that's work-related. You know, yeah. it's kind of that um, that deep work, that thing that, you know, requires uninterrupted time and focus for me to do a great job at. And, you know, I also, I like to wake up early and have that first few hours of the day um, sort of blocked out and planned. And so, um, yeah, it's a great time to to schedule the highlight. Uh, but for other people, you know, they might, um, my co-author Jake, for example, he has tried waking up early and doing that and it just does not work for him. So mm-hmm. he actually came up with some some tactics to make better use of his evening hours. So he has two sons and, and after his, his kids are in bed, then he has two hours or so of quiet time. The house is quiet. It's easy to sort of slow things down. And that's right. when he focuses on, on his highlight, which is often writing or some other kind of creative work. But yeah. it can be something that is productive like that, but it can also be something that's, that's just fun. You know, something mm-hmm. you're, you're looking forward to doing. Um, it can be in the middle of the day. But the, really, the, the important thing is, is taking that moment to before the day begins and you kind of get sucked into it, and you're sort of being dragged through the day. Uh, the important thing is to is to think for a second. What do I want the highlight of my day to be? You know, when I look back on it, what do I want to be glad that I did? Right. And then find a way to fit that in. Find a way to build your day around that. Okay. Good. So something that you get that sense of accomplishment from actually getting done. Right. Okay. So next up is laser. Yeah, and this is where a lot of advice about time management begins. It's really about having control over your time. And it's called laser because it's all about achieving laser-like focus on, on your highlights, certainly, but, but hopefully on everything else you do. And, and really the, the heart of, of laser and the heart of the tactics in this part of the book is our smartphones. And hmm. it's our, our computers and it's all of the the apps and the services that deliver an unending stream of, of infinite uh, and interesting content uh, really to our, to our fingertips or to our eyeballs. And so um, laser is about kind of reconfiguring those technologies and questioning a lot of the default behaviors that we have about how we're supposed to use technology mm-hmm. in the 21st century so that we can, we can take back that time. Because when you look at, uh, when you look at research about, how much time people spend on their phones, uh, and I don't mean talking on the phone, but on, you know, using their smartphones or or watching TV. Um, there's obviously there's all different studies and all different measures, but but it's it's several hours a day uh, right. between the two of those. In fact, we've we've seen um, uh, up to four hours, four to five hours a day on the smartphone, and four hours a day on watching TV and you put those together and I know these are averages. So this is kind of funny math, but you put them together and it's, it's a full-time job basically, you know? Um, so there's a lot of time there. There's a lot of time that we, that we don't necessarily make an intentional decision to spend in that way. We don't say, you know, 
right now I'm going to spend half an hour randomly checking Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook before I get to work. Um, we think, oh, I'll do a quick check. I'll look for five minutes. Um, we don't wake up in the morning and, and think, you know, today I think I'm going to spend maybe two to three hours staring at my phone. That sounds right. good. Right. Uh, we don't plan these things out. They just kind of happen. And so for that reason, they're, they're kind of uh, that fertile ground. They're that, that prime territory for us to, to, to re- reclaim control yep. of that time. Yeah, Facebook and YouTube and other distractions they're doing a good job of trying to keep us to stay on their site, right? And so that quick five-minute yeah. check, hey, let, let's see what's going on in the news feed on Facebook. You know, two hours later, it's like, wow, how many cat videos did I just watch? <laughs> and so. I think that's, that's you know, hopefully um, another thing that makes make time interesting and valuable is that Jake and I worked on some of those, those products. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally worked at YouTube. Uh, Jake worked on Gmail at Google as a designer. And so, you know, we know, we know how much effort goes into making those products as frictionless and as sticky and yep. compelling as possible. It's, it's the, you know, it's really, you know, there's thousands of people who are spending their days just trying to make these products as useful and as, as compelling and delightful as possible. Yep. And so a lot of the tactics that, that we've adopted and experimented with, and they're in the book, things like removing distracting apps from your phone altogether. Those are intended to create barriers to distraction. So to mm-hmm. add some of that friction back in, um, to make it a little bit more difficult so that you still have the choice to say, I want to use this app or this product in this way, but to avoid all the times when you sort of mindlessly or unconsciously get sucked into yeah. it. Or, or even habitually. It's yeah. What is it with email? I've been trying to get better now I don't check email ideally until noontime or so. Because if I check it in the morning, there's all these rabbit holes that other people want me to go down yeah. um, instead of trying to control that. But I still, oddly enough, feel this need like, you know, every 10, 15 minutes, I should go see. Someone probably needs something from me. Right. It's the distractions that get in the way of having the laser-like focus. And if I'm really passionate about what I want to get done, then I should have that laser-like focus. Yeah. Email is a really tough one because it embodies all of the things that make Facebook and Instagram and so on kind of addicting and distracting variable rewards, you know, which Mm -hmm. is this psychological principle that kind of makes um, humans susceptible to things like slot machines. Um, The, the interest in what other people are saying and doing sort of our innate interest and, and, and care for the experiences of others, which, you know, we evolved to create tight knit, communities and tribes. It kind of pushes all those buttons. But then also, email feels really productive. Nobody, right. nobody deludes themselves into thinking that, that that time spent on Facebook is, is productive. They don't think, you know, I, I need to be doing this for my job. I mean, unless you work in social media marketing or, you know, limited uh-huh. sort of, uh, there are limited scenarios like that. But I think with email, everybody knows or they can tell themselves that, that email is important and it is a necessary part of their work. So it's kind of this this perfect storm of of two very powerful powerful forces that come together. I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery or RPM experience. In just 9 weeks, you can have a higher performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. 
one product leader. After trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. So we have highlight, protect something that is important to you during the day. Get that done. Next is laser. So laser like focus. And then we come to energize. And this one is a little different because energize is all about building energy for your your body and your brain uh, to make sure that you can really make the most of the moments that are important to you. You can, you know, you have the energy to pour into your highlight. You have the ability to, uh, you know, sort of retain that control over your attention. And our perspective on building energy is that the modern world sort of encourages us to think of our, our brains and our bodies as being separate entities. Uh, you know, we, we, we have, you know, maybe we, we exercise or we play a sport. And that's our body. And then, you know, we go to work and, and we read books and we do things like that. And that's our brain, right? And, mm-hmm. and the reality is that our brains and our bodies are, are connected in, and not just by our necks. You know, they're, they're literally, there's, there's when we, when our bodies feel better, our brains work better. When we have a better, uh, you know, attitude in our brains, we can, can actually improve our physical health. And so what we suggest in the book is a bunch of really simple ways that people can uh, can build energy by taking care of their bodies mm-hmm. and it's a lot of it's a lot of basic stuff it's stuff that people have probably heard before about their the foods that they eat and the exercise that they do um, but we tried to break it down and, and make it very uh, very concrete and also very approachable so for example we suggest that people find a way to build about 20 minutes of movement, 20 to 30 minutes of movement into their day. And it doesn't have to be going to the gym or, you know, signing up for a fitness class or doing what we think of as a, you know, proper workout that takes an hour and you have to shower and, you know, it's a whole thing. But, but just finding some way to, to build movement into your day, which lowers the barrier. Um, it's still useful and valuable for you, but it means that it's that much easier to start and that much easier to maintain as a new habit over time. I like that. It's something I need to get better at more regularly. You know, if I have to just exercise and I don't have anything else to do at the same time, I don't look forward to that at all. But I use my right. exercise time to listen to a podcast, watch a video. Yeah. And even if it's just walking on the treadmill, right? Even if I'm not really getting a sweat built up here, yeah. I'm still moving and I consider that a win. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and as you should. I mean, that there's, there's really a lot of research um, showing how most of the gains from exercise kind of come in the in the first 20 minutes, um, how walking alone is just, just this incredibly sort of potent drug uh, in terms of its effects on how we feel and, and, and on our health. One of the things that I do to, to build movement into my days is I try to um, question a lot of the default conveniences. Hmm. So if we need something, uh, even if it's if it's 30 degrees and snowing, which it is today here in, uh, in Milwaukee, we need something instead of saying, oh, I'll order it on Amazon. 
I put on my jacket and I go out and I go pick it up at the store. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting that walk, I'm getting that movement. Um, and, and, you know, then oftentimes I'm also listening to a podcast while I walk or some music mm-hmm. or making a phone call or something like that. So things like that, they don't technically make time in the sense that they do take a little bit longer, but I think that they have the ultimate effect of making time because the times that you yep. do have um, are more valuable and more productive and more worthwhile because um, because you've got the energy to make the most of them. Yeah, and I've gotten more serious about sleep. There, there's times when I get like maybe five or six hours of sleep and I've been much more conscious for the last several months of um, making sure it's a minimum of seven, right? Seven to eight, you know, seven's kind of my, my sweet spot. Yeah. Because I know that I'm much more productive during the day if I have that actual rest. Yeah. And, and when I'm not sleeping, if I'm trying to get by on five hours, then I'm trying to, it's because I'm trying to do work late in the night. And that's, right. for me, that's just not as productive hours. It's not yeah. anymore, at least. Yeah. If you think of your, your waking hours, you know, you're, let's say you're awake for 16 hours per day. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say that you're, you know, you value your time at, I don't know, $100 an hour, $200 an hour, or whatever it is. In theory, if, if we were robots, if we were machines, in theory, we could use all 16 of those hours to generate $200 in value or whatever our time is worth. Yeah. And therefore, we should not do anything except for, for work. Um, but that's not how it works. I mean, that's not, it's we not are practical. not, it's not <laughs> practical, uh, not to mention all the other things that we would have to sacrifice and give up on our lives. But, but even the difference between maybe six hours of real productive focused work and 10 hours or 12 hours, those additional hours that you try to fit onto the ends of the day, those aren't $200 hours or even $100 hours. There may be 50 dollar hours. Um, and so we, I think that each of us need to find kind of that sweet spot, that balance where we're feeling like our days are good and full mm-hmm. and we're putting in, you know, a, a solid effort that we can feel good about, but we're kind of quitting before we reach that, that point of diminishing returns. Good. Okay. So energize, we, we need to get our body and brain in sync so that our brains are doing the best for us. And now we have reflect last part of your framework. Reflect is all about, as the name implies, it's all about taking a couple of minutes each day just to reflect on the day. And very much in the spirit of the rest of the book, we wanted this to be something that was super simple, uh, very approachable, but also really specific and concrete. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a, a lot of advice out there about, about journaling and, and things like that, that, that really, um, I think, are, are valuable, but can become, uh, can take a lot of time in their own right. Um, and so what we suggest is a, just a, a, a simple series of questions that take about two minutes to do. And the idea is to look back on your day and ask yourself what you tried to make time for, whether it worked, whether you were able, you were able to get that thing done, uh, which of the tactics in the book, so specifically, you know, which of those concrete suggestions did you try and, and did they work for you um, and, and which things didn't go so well and then kind of make a plan for tomorrow and think about what do you want to do differently. So let's say, um, well, just to kind of return to the scenario that you described where you, you wake up early and you, you want to spend those first three hours on focused work and defer checking your email until mm-hmm. a later time. And let's say as you're reflecting at the end of the day, you note that you, you, know, you got sucked into your email at 
uh, at eight o'clock, whatever it was, and you spent half an hour in email and that you didn't feel good about that. That wasn't what you meant to do. Um, you could take that opportunity to say, well, why did that happen? And what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. Um, so you might, you might decide to, um, do something like maybe, maybe you got sucked into your email because it was right there on your phone and you, you sort of instinctively grabbed your phone and you looked, so you could try disabling email on your phone. Or maybe there truly are urgent and time-sensitive thing, things that are popping into your inbox. And so maybe you really do need to give yourself a pressure release valve. Maybe you need to have a you know, half an hour of clearing the decks um, so you can get those things out of the way and so they're not kind of nagging at you. Um, but do it in a planned, structured way instead, right. of, uh, instead of kind of letting yourself get led astray and then, and then feeling bad about it. So, yeah. so that's really what what reflect is all about. And it's, it's part of a very important philosophy in the book, which is that we want people to focus on doing these things one day at a time. Hmm. We, we know that everybody has big plans and dreams and things they want to get to and goals, which are, which are obviously great and important, but, um, but those things happen one day at a time. And I think a lot of what we, what we tend to do as we're thinking about reaching our goals are very grand and long-term things. There are these detailed plans and roadmaps that we'll, we'll work through. But the place to focus in terms of changing our behaviors is, is now. And so reflect is one way of, of encouraging people to focus on the now, focusing on today instead of waiting for someday. I like this because it's a lightweight frame, framework. You provide... I don't know how many tips. There's just a ton of tips in the book of specific things to try, right? And can kind of see yeah. what works best for you, what what seems well. That's right. And the, the structure to uh, this just makes sense to me, right? The, the, the structure seems like something I could approach easily. And I do think that reflecting on the day is real helpful too, to just put things in scope and knowing that it's only a couple of minutes, you know, we can, that's easier to fit in. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you talk about time management approaches with people, it seems like the first question always comes up is, oh, well, what's a good app to let me get control over my schedule, right? To, or over my to-do list or something. What are your thoughts on people thinking about what app I should use? My thoughts are that it is very rare that any app is going to have a meaningful effect on your ability to make good use of your time. Uh, I, um, you know, I, I mentioned that I've spent a lot of time sort of nerding out over productivity and trying to, to optimize and tweak things. And, and related to that was, was really trying a lot of different to-do lists and a lot of different filing apps and organizational apps and, and new email apps. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the, what I've learned from all those experiments uh, is that fancy tools, sort of the newest, shiniest, clever thing, are rarely worth the, the effort that they require or the time that we put into them. They are in some ways kind of a distraction from what we're trying to do. You know, um, if we, if, if we want to write a screenplay, we could either just start writing it or we could go out and buy one of these special screenplay writing software tools and install that, you know, and it's, it's just sort of a way of procrastinating or distracting. Um, but they're also somewhat fragile in the sense that um, if the, if the tool stops working for some reason, um, or if we, if it's a physical you know, object that we, we forget one day, we leave behind. Um, it kind of disrupts our, our flow. It disrupts our ability to get things done. And, and I, I've, I've been burned by that so many times. Um, I, you know, just recently I made the mistake of trying, uh, 
I mean, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, uh, Google Inbox, which was like an experimental new new email app that Google created. And I, and I thought to myself, well, it's, it's Google, so they're not going to go away. They're not just going to leave me hanging. I could give you examples. <laughs> right. And then just a couple months ago, you know, they, uh, they, they announced that Inbox was going away. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't horribly disruptive to me because they, they did move a lot of the features into Gmail. But, but it was just the latest reminder that, that the newest, shiniest, fanciest way to do something is, uh, is not always the best way. Um, I, I kind of, the, the, the mental model that I've created for myself is, and I think this is a true for individuals, but I think it's especially true for teams because, of, because there's multiple people involved, is that adopting new tools is sort of like taking on debt. Hmm. And very much like debt, financial debt, a loan of some kind, um, it can be very valuable. It can be, it can be transformative. It can allow you to buy a house or finance an expansion of a business or whatever it might be. But it has a cost, a real right. known cost, and you need to consider that. Um, it's mm-hmm. not, uh, instead of these new tools being free, I think is how we think about them because they are oftentimes don't cost any money. Um, we need to be thinking about the cost to our time. And then it becomes another distraction on your phone. Yeah. So I, I like this framework for, framework very much. And just to reiterate for everyone, highlight. So uh, something that you want to prioritize and protect for the day, a laser focus on uh, items to get done. And for me, that was really around eliminating distractions that get in the way. Yeah. Energize, take care of your body and your brain, gives you more focus when you need it later. And then reflecting each day, a couple of minutes about what did you make time for, what worked, what you want to change. Really useful framework. As everyday innovators know, I love quotes. What do you have for us for a quote to inspire us and why did you choose that one? Okay, so my quote is, uh, well, it's, a, it's kind of a special quote because there's a quote within a quote, okay. as, you will, as you will hear. And it is from a, a book called Bird by Bird, which is by Anne Lamott. It's sort of a book about writing, uh, ostensibly. Potentially the, the most recommended book about writing these days. Yeah, it is. It's, it's great. Anyway, so here's the quote. E.L. Doctorow once said that, quote, Writing a novel is like driving a car at night. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole trip that way, end quote. You don't have to see where you're going. You don't have to see your destination or everything you will pass along the way. You just have to see two or three feet ahead of you. This is right up there with the best advice on writing or life I have ever heard. And again, that's, uh, that's Anne Lamott from her book, Bird by Bird. So break it down for us. I am unfamiliar with this quote. And uh, when you just said it, I love the context, but break it down for us. Why is it important to you? This is a quote and, and really a bigger idea that I have thought about a lot. And, and we, we touched on it briefly in, in the context of make time. It's the idea that goals and destinations and plans are great, but we don't just wake up one day and find ourselves there. We need to get there step by step, bit by bit. Um, and I think it's important to translate whatever goals we may have into concrete everyday actions that we can take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the driving example, we know where, where we want to end up. Um, but what we really need to do at the moment is focus on, you know, keeping the car moving, keeping it on the road, driving the proper speed, Etc. Um, and that's true, I think, for us as, as individuals, whether it's something that's professional 
or sort of achievement related, but also if, if we want to lose weight or we want to get stronger, um, we want to, uh, have better relationships with our family or our friends. Those things are great outcomes to wish for, but we need to get there day by day, act by act. And so I just, I think that this, um, this quote is a great reminder of the the truth of that. And it's, it's really how I, I try to live my days. It's a great quote. And the way I was thinking about it was we can only see so far in front of us with any kind of clarity. There's always so much uncertainty, especially in the space of product management and innovation. Yeah. But we can act on what we can see in front of us, knowing where we are trying to head, what that vision is we have for where we're going. Yeah. That's a, that is a really good, good point. Um, I think a lot of the plans that we make are based on guesses or assumptions about what will happen in the future. And, and we can't, we can't truly predict those things. We can, right. we can take our best guess and we can make some intelligent d- decisions based on that. But, but, but really, as, as you're saying, we can't know um, what, what lies ahead and we just need to be prepared to, to deal with that information when, when it reaches us. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. I'm so glad I have a new quote. <laughs> I love the metaphor, driving a car at night. So I'll, yeah. I'll be using that one in the future. Cool. So your ta- your book, Make Time, how can listeners get their hands on this and how can they find out more about your work? Sure. So Make Time is available everywhere books are sold, including Amazon. So you can just go there and search for it. We have a website for the book. It's maketimebook.com. And there's a I think I'm biased, of course, but I think there's a lot of cool stuff on that website, um, including some some tools uh, and resources for people who who are interested in getting started. And we have a kind of a bonus pack for people who buy the book, so we can get some some discounts and some extra free stuff. Um, and then if if people want to follow what I'm up to and what I'm doing, perhaps ironically, the best way to do that is on Twitter. Uh, so uh, my my username on Twitter is Jazzer J A Z. E-R. And uh, as distracting as it can be, um, and as, as much of a challenge as Twitter can be to my ability to retain control of my time, I truly love using it. And I love hearing from people on Twitter and, and having conversations that way. So, so please, uh, if you're listening and you're interested in reaching out, uh, go for it. I will put the links to the, in the show notes to those resources, maketimebook.com and your Twitter handle. Cool. Yeah, so it's easy to get there. John, I appreciate you making time to talk about the book, Make Time. (laughs) Thank you. And provided a really clean framework. And I think it's, like I said in the beginning, especially meaningful to product managers and innovators, just because of where you and Jake came from in developing this book, right? As designers and doing the design sprint. And uh, so a lot of street cred about tips that actually work. So thanks so much. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening and for recommending this podcast to others. I really appreciate you doing that. If you have time, please leave a review on iTunes. That makes it easier for other product managers and innovators to find this podcast. This is The Everyday Innovator, where product leaders and managers make their move to product master learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Find the written notes of our discussion with John at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 210. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.